We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to the Bear Report Podcast as part of the Bear Report Radio Network. Intercepted right off the bat by Ogletree! Touchdown! Six consecutive runs. He'll throw it here. Going in. So touchdown! It is Shaheen! Fourth and goal. They give it to Hicks. He's in. It's the fridge part two. He lied to us, Charles, with a straight face. <laughs> and look at the celebration from his teammates. It's a good one. Welcome back to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Um, Aaron, man, this has been the first podcast we've done in a while that has come off of a Bears loss. What happened? Oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, – it, it feels weird. I mean, it really does. Like, it, I feel like we've – it's like we've done, these, we've done these podcasts. We've been, you know, writing all these articles and all this stuff, and it's like last five games, it's like, you know, they're winning. Everything's going good. They go from 3-3 three and three to 8-3, and three, and it's like – I think in some ways I really do believe that even as a fan base, I, I really think we took this game a little for granted. I mean, if you really go back and you look at the way the Giants have played before they came into this game – Last Sunday, I mean, they were playing pretty good football. They're three and four in their last, or sorry, three and one in the last four games. I mean, this this is a team that's finally starting to figure it out. 
if you look at their numbers, I mean, they in terms of offense especially, they're a lot better of an offensive team than they were at the beginning of the year. And I really think that it just came down to the fact that the Bears played an absolutely awful game in pretty much every aspect possible. And the Chase Daniel magic kind of ran out. And here we are looking at an 8-4 and four team. Uh, still in good shape, but definitely a disappointing loss. Yeah, for sure. Before we get to touch more on the uh, Giants game, this is going to be uh, one of my favorite episodes already, I can already tell, because we've, uh, we have a lot to really get into. We have to break down this Giants game. We have to talk about Matt Nagy. Of course, we have to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. A little bit of the playoff picture was always exciting, and a little bit of the uh, Kareem Hunt situation before we go into the Rams with our guest. Um, but yeah, I mean, going right back into this Giants thing, I was a little disappointed. I, I don't know if you can really consider it a trap game just because Chase Daniel was starting. Um, if it was Mitchell Trubisky that was a starter, yeah, I can for sure see it as a trap game. But I didn't really expect Daniel to come out and light it up and you know throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns and just lead this offense. I kind of expected a sloppy game. He did have the whole week to prepare in comparison to just a few days against the Lions. But... Yeah, they just they didn't look good at times, and right away, right off the bat, the first three plays for the Bears, you look at Mazzell fumbles the kickoff and then brings it out to about, I think they had like the 15-yard line, 13, 15-yard line. So that was the first play that was kind of doomed. And then the next play, they run with Jordan Howard, and it is just stuffed. I believe it was either Bobby Massey or Leno. Someone ran into James Daniels, and it just... Created nowhere for Jordan Howard to go. And then, of course, the pick six from Chase Daniel right after that on the third play. It was just seemed like it was going to be one of those days. And, you know, the Bears didn't give up. They did fight back and actually sent the game to overtime, which was amazing. But, you know, right off the bat for you, did it kind of feel like, hey, you know, this is going to be a game they're going to lose when Daniel did throw that pick six? Well, like we're talking about before we started recording, I mean, I had that, I just had it as the week went on last week, I had this weird feeling. It's like, oh man, this is definitely not as safe of a game as I once thought it was. And and then the game starts. And like you said, you just, you just laid out those first three plays, the, the Mizell uh, muffed kick right off the bat. And then Jordan Howard goes down and then the pick six. And it was like right then and there, I'm thinking, okay, this is not going to be a good game. And it's weird because I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm thinking, like, the Bears are barely holding on. They don't really look that good. I mean, it was kind of fun when uh, Keem Hicks scored the one-yard touchdown, you know, the the freezer run or whatever the hell they called it. But at the same time, I wasn't – I was never comfortable. Like, sitting there watching the game, I was never like, oh, yeah, the Bears have this under control. And it was weird because at one point in the game during the broadcast, I think it was Kevin Burkhart said something along the lines of, you know, it's only a 14-7 game, but it feels like a 40-7 to game. And I'm sitting there thinking, I and maybe it's just because I've got emotions into this game, you know, like I do every game. But it's like, I'm sitting there thinking, I feel like this this feels like a one-point game. And I just, I don't know, it, it just it was one of those games that you never really felt too comfortable. And then, and I, and I, I highlighted this at the time. I mean, this isn't some... This isn't me going back and, and, and you know, using hindsight on this. The, I think really what changed the game for the Bears was they had a situation where it was, they had back-to-back sacks on Eli Manning. It was, what, third and 22, and Matt Nagy let the clock go down all the way to 17 seconds and calls a timeout. It was at 42 seconds when the play ended or whatever it was, and he could have called a timeout. But he waited until 17 seconds. He calls a timeout. Barkley gets back on the field, goes for, what was it, like 17 or 18 yards on a run. He hadn't done anything the entire game. Then all of a sudden, they get a field goal out of it. And it's like, at that point in time, I mean, we've we've seen this story before with the Bears in past years. We've seen how 
one play in an entire game can change the momentum. And I felt like that really did. It was a 14-10 game. The Bears were still up. But you, you had this feeling going at halftime. It was like the Bears really need to make a defensive stop or this game is going to get out of hand. Right off the bat, Saquon Barkley comes out, and he was a completely different player in the second half. And it's just – it's one of those situations where the Bears had to be damn near perfect anyway. Uh, Chase Daniel had the pick six, obviously, and then he had the one – or if he had put any sort of error on the ball whatsoever, the second interception to Tree Cohen, that's a touchdown. The Bears are up 21-7. They probably don't make the stupid mistake, and they go into halftime up 21-7. They're probably in good shape. But there were so many things that accumulated, but I think it really all came to a head with that, that, that call with Matt Nagy. And don't get me wrong. I like Matt Nagy as a head coach. I think he's learning on the fly. But also, I think that we're starting to see that for as good as this team is, I think they do compare a lot to the Rams of last year, just for the simple fact that you have a young coach that's a head coach that's learning how to be a coach. You got a, a young core of a team right now, and they're also learning how to win and they're learning how to not make mistakes and be able to close out games. And I think that this was kind of a reality check for a lot of Bears fans. I'm not saying that they're a bad team; they're a good team, but they're a good team and they're young. And I think that this is kind of one of those situations where we look at it and we say, okay, for as good as they have been playing, they're on a five-game winning streak up until this game. This is still a team that can lose to almost anybody. Yeah, I'm kind of glad you brought up that point about Matt Nagy and that timeout because when it happened, I did not understand it at all. And you could tell after that, after the Giants got that long field goal, the momentum definitely shifted because they came out in the second half like a completely new team. Barkley was running with a lot of confidence. They had the trick play with Odell. They got Odell going, and that's you know something we said in last week's podcast with our guests. The only way the Giants were going to beat the Bears – is if they got Odell going and they got Barkley going, and that's exactly what happened. Um, as for that timeout, it was very interesting because they did have the two sacks. Hicks and Floyd got the two sacks. Um, and you, and it looked for sure like the Giants were just contempt with, hey, we're going to run out the clock, we'll just trail 14-7 at halftime, packing in our season, we're done. And you see the clock starting to tick, and okay, maybe he calls a timeout if it's 50 seconds or... 40 or 42 whatever but when he gets down to 17 seconds and they call a timeout I just I could not believe it because you're giving the Giants essentially a free play a team that was already content with going into halftime trailing by seven with no momentum at all they didn't show like they didn't show they could do anything on offense Eli Manning's a statue he stunk in the first half he was god awful um and then they, you know, Barkley has the long run on the third on the third down, a draw play. He has that long run, um, and if you look, they ran. They did this quite often in this game. They ran at Roquan Smith's side a lot during that game, and that was something that the Giants really exploited. Because if you watch, even in overtime, they went first play from overtime. They went Barkley right to Roquan Smith's side. So and they get the complete, they get the completion really quick and they get the field goal. And then you just could tell the momentum completely shifted. And like you said, I like I do like Matt Nagy. I think he's a good head coach. I think he's still learning how to be a really good head coach. And, you know, some of the big concerns with me, and I've, I've seen this brought up in the game day chats we do on this website, or even Twitter is his clock management. There are some times where the play doesn't get in in time. The Bears have to burn a timeout. It's, it was very like, Lovey Smith, Mark Tressman, John Fox-esque, where you're burning timeouts for the wrong reason or, you know, um, you're calling timeouts when you probably shouldn't be calling them in situations like that. I think that's something he's going to improve on. Uh, it was just very frustrating because you could just tell that momentum did shift. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, and, and neither one of us are sitting here trying to say, like, Matt Nagy's a bad head coach. We have anything to be concerned about. But I, I, I do think that the Bears, and this is one thing that the fans have to keep in mind, is that the Bears have been ahead for the majority of almost every game. And uh, it's it's a situation where they they haven't had many points in the game to I'm, I'm just trying to think of how to describe this because they haven't had very many points in the game where they've had to have a critical decision go their way and I think that we kind of saw that where the the last few weeks especially with Chase Daniel the Bears have not been playing that well and and we, I mean even going back when when we recorded last week's podcast and we talked about it and you know it's like a lot of people are trying to say Chase Daniel played great and I never thought Chase Daniel played that great and I don't think you did either and I think he did enough to win the game but at the same time, when you when you aren't hitting your stride like they weren't well, like they weren't the last few weeks, and you lean on your coaching more to make these decisions, whether it be Vic Fangio, uh, you know, coaching the defense better because, quite frankly, I don't think he's really been that great of an in-game coach, uh, or whatever it may be. I mean, there's just there's been a lot of things where the Bears have kind of been able to kind of fly by and do their thing because they've been up so big. And both units have played pretty well for the most part. But I think that we, we saw this last week where there's still a lot of inexperience. And not just on the players' part and not just on the coaching part, but as, as a team as a whole, there's a lot of inexperience going on. And you can kind of see that when things aren't going their way all the time that, unfortunately, some mistakes are made. And, and I, I do agree with the clock management. I, I just think some of... Some of Nagy's decision-making in general, especially offensive play-calling, has been a little questionable at times. And I, I guess really what I'm looking for within these next few weeks of the season, good. I still think they're going to go 10-6. I still think they'll go 2-2 two and two in these next these next few games. We'll obviously preview the the Rams game here in a little bit. But I, and I'm not concerned. So I, I just kind of want to throw that out. I don't want anybody to think, you know, I'm freaking out or anything like that. The one thing I want to see from Matt Nagy is some of these decision-making issues that he's having, it's like he buries them for a few games and then they come out. And he buries them for a few games and then they come out. It's like you want to see him not only learn from them, but you also want to see where he can bury those for good and move on. And that's something that we really haven't seen yet. So if there's really one thing I'm concerned about with Nagy or not liking so far, I would definitely say that that's kind of got to be it at this point. You know, the whole BU, you know, be aggressive. At, at times, I almost kind of feel like that's a fake aggressive. Yeah, and there's also been times where he's done this thing where he's gotten too aggressive and kind of he's gotten conservative at times, if that makes sense. Um, you'll see him, you know, like the call he did have at the end of the game. That was a ballsy call. I don't know many NFL head coaches in their first season that calls that in that situation when you have a division lead and you're on the road. Um but, you know, at other times, like against Green Bay, he got very conservative in that second half, and it cost the Bears. Um, yeah, I, it, there's definitely things he's going to learn still. And, it's, and like you said, it's not us, you know, saying, oh, we don't like Mandagi. I think he has been great this year. I think there are some things that he does need to learn as he's going forward, as is every head coach in their first year. I mean, all the successful head coaches have had those lumps in that first year, those teaching moments in that first year. But we look at this, even with this loss, the Bears are still in good shape, and they're going to, you know, kind of go into our next segment here. It seems like they're going to get Mitchell Trubisky back. Um, you know, today at Hallis Hall, every vibe I got from 
every the both press conferences was that Trubisky was going to play is going to play against the Rams on Sunday. Um, I did see a lot of stuff on Twitter last week where, oh, if he's healthy enough to throw the ball before the Giants game, then he should be playing. You know, they kind of threw this away, this game away. They Nagy gambled it away. I don't necessarily agree because I know there was that report that said if it was a playoff game, Trubisky would play. There's a difference in it being a playoff game and Trubisky playing and the player being 100%. If you listen closely to his press conference last week in the locker room, he did say, I'm not coming back until I'm 110%. And he, and he cited the trainers and the coaching staff on that. So it's like, I don't get this whole fuss where, oh, if he could play in a playoff game, he should have played. No, because the, the, you know, the reward is having Trubisky healthy the rest of the season. The risk is losing him. I would rather take my lump there and losing that Giants game in a game that they could have won there, even without Trubisky, than to lose him for the rest of the season. Because outside of Cleo Mack, Mitchell Trubisky is the most important player on this team moving forward. Well, and I think that you, you bring up you bring up a few interesting points here because, you know, obviously we're looking at a situation where the Bears are looking long term here, regardless of what people regardless of how people want to look at this, they're they're looking long term. So and long term doesn't just mean, you know, next season and beyond. It means they they were eight and three going into that game and they were playing their second game on the road, you know, even if it was against a quote-unquote bad opponent. I don't think the Giants are as bad as everybody thinks they are or whatever it may be, but that, that's not really the point here. But So they were 8-3 going into that game. The Bears have taken the same approach all year. We, we've seen it. I was in, and to be completely honest, I was in a little bit of denial too. I, I, I thought that he wasn't going to play Thanksgiving and he'd come out and he'd play against the Giants. And all of a sudden you started seeing the way things had, had kind of gone on and you, you could definitely see that there was a plan in place. That plan in place was pretty pretty simple. It was the fact that he wasn't playing Thanksgiving. Uh, they're 8-3 and three at that point, so they win another game. They're 3-1 you know, and one within the division right now. They're still a game and a half, a game and a half up within the division. And I, I think that's another thing to keep in mind throughout this. They were a game and a half going in to Sunday. There's still a game and a half up, you know, outside of the fact that they lost a game and they're eight and four now instead of nine and three. I mean, that's really the only difference. I mean, they're still in the same exact position they were a week ago outside of the fact that there's one last game. So they're actually technically in a better position. So I I think that fans have to understand here. Okay, they purposely didn't let Trubisky throw all week last week. Do you think they just magically cleared Trubisky on Friday to throw? And then, you know, he threw a little bit Sunday, like it was just like magically part of the, you know, that was just, that wasn't part of the plan. Like they had a plan all week of, okay, they put themselves in good position by winning five games in a row. Regardless of what they say, the, the, the reality of it came down to they were playing an inferior opponent on the road in not very good conditions, and it wasn't a must-win game. And that's really what it comes down to. Where really, I mean, you could, you could say that maybe they overlooked the Giants. I don't know if they did that or not, but what I will say is, they basically looked at this one game and said it's not worth Trubisky playing in this game, possibly winning, but possibly hurting himself at the same time. They're looking and saying, okay, over, you know, worst case scenario, we're going to be eight and four with four games left. They still have a game against Minnesota. Their magic numbers three. They they have to have a combination of either three wins or three Minnesota losses within the next four games. I mean, realistically, if Minnesota loses this weekend and if if the Bears somehow beat you know San Francisco. I mean, there's a in, in even Green Bay. I mean, it, like I said, I, this is in terms of math, this really isn't hard to figure out. The Bears are in a great position. There's four games left. So, really, what this is coming down to is they have these plans in place with their key players. Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson was the same exact thing. They 
they decided, okay, we're not playing these guys for these these two games. I don't, you know, we don't care what position we're in, and maybe the fact that they were playing lesser teams helped, whatever it may be. But they have a plan in place, and they go through with that, and nothing's going to change that. I firmly believe that Trubisky could have started throwing the ball last Monday or last Wednesday or whatever, and he could have played. And if it was a playoff game, I'm absolutely sure he would have. But the thing is, is you always have to look at the context of the situation and realize, okay, he could have played. Maybe he should have played. But the the, the thing is, is 9-3 and three and 8-4, and four, especially with the, with the way everything panned out, the Packers lost, the, the Panthers lost, uh, you know, in terms of the wild card, they got a two-game lead in the wild card. They could basically go nine and seven the rest of the way out, and they're gonna they're gonna win. Or sorry, one and three the rest of the way out to be nine and seven, and they're gonna make it in the playoffs. So, when you look at this situation and you and you look at the decision that they made with Trubisky, it was simply saying we don't value this game nearly as much as what everybody else is valuing, and they understand. Okay. You look at their final schedule. They have the Rams this weekend, which we'll get to here in a little bit. The Rams are eleven and one, but they're gonna. The Bears are playing them at home. Then they have the Packers, and the Packers are crap right now. They're four seven and one, but the problem is, is the Bears haven't really consistently beat the Packers since I can remember. So that's still a big game. So you have all these games that are lining up. You finish with your last two games on the road. So the Bears are basically using foresight in this situation, saying, "Here we are. This is this is what we're gonna do." Just like they did with Khalil Mack and Al Robinson. The fact is here, and I'm you know I'm sorry that this keeps dragging on, but here here's the fact: between resting Allen Robinson, Khalil Mack, and, and and Trubisky, they went three and one in that stretch. Okay, I mean that's just the, the that's just the reality of the situation. They're eight and four. They're sitting in great position for the playoffs. They're a game and a half up in the division right now, and they're gonna have their quarterback for the last four games. So. Regardless of what people think could have happened, whatever, it doesn't really matter because nine and three and eight and four, nine and three would have been cool. They'd have been two and a half games up in the division. The fact is, they're still sitting in a very good position. And if this is a team that we all believe that they are, then you know, being eight and four right now, they can finish two and two and finish ten and six. So I, I, I just, I think that they played it safe. Whether that was right or wrong, I do think that it's going to pay off in these last four games. Yeah, they they most definitely played it safe and. Um, you know, kind of going back to what I mentioned, Trubisky did meet the media Wednesday. I want to play this clip um, of him talking about how he feels, and and I want to get, I want to know what you think for his chances on uh, Sunday against the Rams. So here's Trubisky. Mitch, welcome back. So excited to be back. <laughs> See you guys a lot. Mitch, how did it go throwing uh, over the weekend in the last few days as you built up? Here. Yeah, it was good. Uh, arm feels really good. Uh, just throwing as much as they they let me and continue to take care of it. Uh, get it stronger. Do all the rehab treatment that I got to do, and then uh, just making sure that I'm at 100 uh, percent when I go back out there. So uh, it feels great, and uh, I'm right where I need to be and ahead of schedule. Matt said that he feels strong that you'll play Sunday, but he just needs to see it. What do you feel like you need to show him? Yeah, for sure. Just go out there and practice. Show him that I can make all the throws. And uh, that I'm 100%, and uh, absolutely no reservations in my game. So that's when I run, when I throw, when I pull it down, uh, anything. And I'm just the the same guy that I was before, and, and even stronger from all the treatment and uh, exercises I've been doing. So just uh, go out there, have a great week of practice, and, and be as prepared as possible. All right, and that was Mitchell Trubisky meeting the media Wednesday at Hallis Hall. Aaron, it sure as heck sounds like he's going to play, just from what I got from that. Oh yeah, I I think it's pretty evident. I mean, this is and it, if you really look at it, it kind of goes back to the Robinson and the Mac thing a few weeks ago. Remember when Matt Nagy came out and he was like, "Well, we're going to see how they practice this week and we'll go from there." 
And then right after that, you guys talked to him in the locker room, and both of them were like, yeah, we're playing. You know, it's the same exact thing. I, I think barring any sort of crazy setback, which I don't think is going to happen, he's already thrown at least two days that we know. We have no clue what they did on Monday or Tuesday uh, or what he's been doing in his off time. The, the reality is, I mean, he's he's going to play. I mean, I, I don't think there's really any way around that, which is good because I think we I think we damn well saw, regardless of Jason Locken for, regardless of all these other clowns, that are sitting there trashing the Bears, trashing Trubisky, saying that he doesn't really mean that much to the team, that Matt Nagy's the reason that this offense is going around and why they're winning games. I think we saw exactly how valuable Trubisky is to this team, uh, even as a second-year quarterback who's been a little up and down at times. Yeah, most definitely, especially over the last two games with Chase Daniel. You see how Trubisky's ability to keep plays alive and get out of the pocket and his pocket presence is so much better than Chase Daniel right now. And there's been times where, you know, Daniel's taken sacks or fumbled the snap. Something just disastrous has gone wrong. And you've seen Trubisky, you know, take those situations and avoid the sack and roll out and maybe pick up yards with his feet or, you know, at least keep the play alive and, and, and know when a defender is coming in in that pocket. Um, yeah, the Bears are definitely going to need the Rams back. Or Bears are definitely going to need Trubisky back for the Rams. And it just shows an appreciation we should have for the second-year quarterback especially after these past two games. And I'm just excited to see, you know, him going into this playoff race, into this stretch. But before we get into that, you know, there's been a kind of a hot topic around the NFL for the wrong reason. Um, so Kareem Hunt, and I want to touch on this just because this has been brought up on the Bears Report message board, and I've seen this brought up all over Twitter. Um, obviously, there's a connection there with Kareem Hunt, who is now on the commissioner's exempt list. He was released by the Chiefs after that disgusting video came out of him uh, punching and kicking a woman in a Cleveland hotel. Um, so yeah, there, there's a connection, obviously, with Matt Nagy. And something that I think kind of fuels this whole thing um, with Hunt and maybe finding a new team, and maybe that team being the Bears next next season is... Personally, I think the Bears are going to move on from Jordan Howard um, after the season. I think Matt Nagy is going to see it as a chance to maybe grab a second-round pick or grab an extra third-round pick um, from a team. It's clear Jordan Howard's role has kind of diminished a little bit in this system, and the Bears definitely favor Tariq Cohen. But since Kareem Hunt has been in Matt Nagy's system, it is being brought up, are the Bears a destination for Kareem Hunt if he does get off that exempt list and plays again in the NFL I I don't think so uh, I really don't and, and the thing is it, it, you're either on one side or you're on the other here I, I don't really feel like there's much in between in terms of you either basically and don't get me wrong I believe in second chances and you know if if this is you know a few years from now or a year from now or whatever it is and you know he's obviously made some made some strides or whatever then it's it's kind of one thing, but then it kind of goes back to the whole you know playing in the NFL is a privilege, it's not a right. So I and I'm very I, and I think like most people very against domestic violence. So obviously we know that he has ties with Nagy. We also know that he has ties with Trubisky. They go back uh, what back to I think it was what either middle school or elementary school or something. I mean they played together for a while. But I think when you when you look at the situation, obviously running back is going to be a need for the Bears. I'm right there with you. I do think that they're absolutely going to offload Howard this year. I would be shocked if it's anything more than a third or fourth round pick at this point, but we'll see. I mean, that's that's a whole nother whole nother discussion that we can get into later on, and I'm sure we will. But I think when you when you look at the Kareem Hunt situation, 
he would be absolutely awesome for this offense. I think I think there's probably about 28 teams right now that don't have stud running backs that would that would take Kareem Hunt in an instant in, in an instant if it wasn't for the fact that he we, we all saw the video. We saw you know it, and it wasn't like you know it wasn't like the Ray Rice video by any means. But it's still something, at least in my mind, you should never lay hands on a woman. I mean, it's just that simple, regardless of what transpired before, whatever it may be. But I think when you look at the situation as a whole, I think there are ties. But I think because of what's happened in the past, especially with the Ray McDonald situation, uh, I, I tweeted a while ago about that, you know, uh, well, it was actually earlier on in the week, why I didn't believe that the Bears would even bother uh, checking out Kareem Hunt. And I think it's for the fact that because of what happened with Ray McDonald, because of the the various weeks that it took for basically Vic Fangio stuck his neck out saying, I want this guy. Ryan Pace bought in. Uh, they went through multiple meetings with the McCaskies, mainly with uh, Virginia, basically saying, hey, you know, we really want this guy. She wasn't up for it. Um, they finally talked her into it. The Bears signed him. Obviously, we know what happened with that. I don't think because of the situation i'm not comparing the two guys because obviously ray mcdonald had a much bigger track record for this kind of thing than kareem hunt Um, but i do think on the topic of domestic violence or hitting women in general i cannot see a situation where virginia mccaskey or the mccaskey family in general are going to say you know we trusted you the first time you burned us we're going to trust you again go ahead and do it because as as this goes on the Ray McDonald thing really wasn't in the spotlight because the bears were bad Ray McDonald was not really a very well-known player but i think in the situation with Kareem Hunt i think it would be a much bigger deal so i'd be very very surprised that, like i said i i know absolutely he would make the bears better he's one of the better running backs in the league but i also think that there's a situation where there's got to be some sort of morality. And the Bears have built a really good team with a, a bunch of very, very good people. And I'm not saying Kareem Hunt's a bad person. People make mistakes. I think it's a pretty big mistake to make. But I also think that you run the risk of a lot of stupid stuff happening if you sign somebody like that. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening personally. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I do see the fit. Obviously, he would be a great running back in this offense. He's the ideal back for Matt Nagy. And having him and Cohen back there is just, that's pretty scary good. Um, But yeah, I go back to the Ray McDonald thing. I think Pace earned that chance right there. Um, And, you know, since then, we really haven't seen the Bears make any controversial signings like that. So I don't think it's going to get approved, even if Ryan Pace was interested. Um, or Matt Nagy was interested in vouch for him. Matt Nagy pretty much brushed off that question when he was asked after the game Sunday. He wanted nothing to do with that question. He gave you the typical, yeah, I'm not going to answer that. Um, so, yeah, I don't see the Bears bringing him in. I think Hunt, I think when it's all said and done, Hunt's going to get suspended for at least the entire 2019 season in my eyes. Either that or he's going to be gone half the season at very minimum. Um I just don't think the NFL is going to mess around with this anymore and hopefully start to take stuff like this a lot more seriously. Um, but let's get into actually some good news and some, some refreshing news. Aaron, as we head into this matchup against the Los Angeles Rams week 14, um, the Bears are very much alive and in really good shape in this playoff picture. It has been a long time since we've been able to say that. Um, I love updating the NFC playoff picture thread on Bear Report forums because it's like I've never had the chance to do that and being able to talk playoffs for this franchise has been non-existent since that 2003 or 2013 disaster with Mark Trussman. Um, so as you as you see going into these 
last four games with the Bears having the Rams, the Packers at home, back-to-back their final two home games, then the 49ers and Vikings on the road. It stands right now. How confident are you that the Bears are going to make the playoffs as the NFC North division champ? I'd say pretty confident. I, I think there's a few things to look at. Like I said, I mean, we're man, we're we're coming out of a loss where a lot of people. I, I get it. Trust me. I mean, like you just pointed out. I mean, we we can go back. Let's just look from 2010 on. All right, the Bears made the playoffs 2010. We all know how that goes. They get an NFC Championship game after letting the Packers in because they didn't beat them Week 17. They lose the Packers. I firmly believe if they would have beat the Packers in the championship game, uh, they would have went and probably won the Super Bowl. Well, they would have been in the Super Bowl, but I think they would have won it. Then you look at 2011, where obviously uh, you know they got off to that really good start. They were what seven and three after they kind of got things together. Jay Cutler broke his thumb. Season was over there. 2012, they they start off seven and one, fall apart. They get blown out of the game. I was actually at in San Francisco uh, on Monday Night Football, in a finishing ten and six, missed the playoffs because of course the Packers, you know, turned around and did the same favor for the Vikings and let them into the playoffs. And Lovey Smith got fired. And, you know, like you just said, the Trestman thing. And then the last what, four years have just sucked. I get it. Trust me. I, I completely understand that anytime something goes remotely wrong with the Bears, we all want to default back to the fact that, okay, this is a team that has blown it so many times before. Why should we trust them? And I, like I said, I, I get that. But, man, this is a different team. This is a completely different feel. The, the, okay, the thing is, right, the Bears, let's just go back to the offseason real quick, and I don't want to drag this on, but I, I, I want to recap people of how well and how different things have been for the Bears, right? So it started off when they hired Matt Nagy. They got their guy right off the bat. I mean, Kansas City losing in the playoffs like that was was huge. I mean, they were able to keep Vic Fangio. They got the, probably the best coaching staff they possibly could have got. They go on a free agency. They land their top three targets. They get a few other guys. They go in. They have a nice draft. They, you know, they keep Kyle Fuller. You know, throughout all this, there's – Four different times that the Packers have basically targeted somebody the Bears wanted, whether it was Fangio, Allen Robinson, uh, Kyle Fuller, who they signed to an offer sheet, or even Cleo Mack. Obviously, the whole thing with Cleo Mack happened. I mean, the, the thing is, is the Bears had a magical offseason. And, and I don't mean that, and I don't say that lightly at all. I mean, the Bears were a team that were right on the edge. They needed to have a really good offseason. They needed to put good pieces around uh, Trubisky, they needed to have the right coach. They needed to have all this stuff go right. It all went right for them. They lose the Packers in Week One. Everybody's thinking, "Oh, here we go, just another, you know, just another, uh, you know, another season of disappointments." They're sitting eight and four right now. Okay, I understand, you know, and and they've had chances to collapse. They had a chance to collapse, and when they were three and three, they started off three and one. When they went to three and three after they lost to New England, a lot of people thought that their season was over. They thought they'd be lucky to finish at five hundred. Yeah, we're sitting here at eight and four, talking about this team, and the the reality is quite simple. Okay, unless Washington, Washington's the only team when you look at the wild card situation, is the only team that could really that would beat the Bears out in a tiebreaker. Let's just say you know nine and seven, ten and six. They're the only team. The fact is, they're on their third quarterback. They just put another three guys on IR today. They're not going anywhere. They they would be lucky to win another two games if they finish eight and eight. They'd be lucky. So you you look at the situation that the Bears are in right now. If they finish nine and seven, that means beating San Francisco at very worst case scenario. If they finish nine and seven, they make the playoffs as a wild card team. And that's and and like I said, I mean, you just got to look at the situation. They got four games left. This isn't a, a situation where we're talking about where they have seven or eight games left, and they've got a you know comfortable lead, but it's not that great. If basically, I honestly believe if the Vikings lose this weekend, regardless of what happens with the Bears, if the Vikings lose this weekend, 
I truly believe that the Bears are going to make it in the playoffs. And the one, the last thing I will throw out there is that right now, when you look at, I think it's what five thirty-eight sports, uh, they they do their their projections and all that stuff with playoff odds and all that stuff. They have the Bears at a ninety-four percent chance to make the playoffs, and I think it's eighty or eighty-one percent chance to win a division. And then you look at uh, Football Outsiders does pretty much a similar thing. Their numbers are a little bit different, but they I think it's like a ninety. Six percent chance of making the playoffs, and it's like an eighty-four point seven percent chance of winning the division. And the thing that fans have to understand in this situation is, at least statistically speaking, or mathematically speaking, the Vikings' chances of winning the division with a loss, even with the Bears' loss this last weekend, when they lost to the the New England Patriots, their chances went down three times the amount uh, that it did it, that it hurt the Bears. The Bears. I think they were projected like 97 or 90% chance to make the playoffs and it dropped like 3%. So point being is that all the pressure's on the Vikings right now. I mean, you're basically, if the Bears go 2-2, two and two, then the Vikings would have to go 4-0. and And I don't see that happening. I mean, that's assuming that they would have to beat the Bears and they have to beat the Seahawks this weekend. So ultimately speaking, I think 10-6 is going to win in the division and I think the Bears are going to finish 10-6. Yeah, I one of my favorite things to do when it releases is the ESPN NFL Playoff Machine, and it's finally out for this week, and it is just a blast to sit there and just kind of go through all the possibilities. I, I'm with you. I think the Bears are in great shape to win this division, and even you know, say they do go one and three, two and two, you know, it's not the worst case scenario because I think they're pretty. As long as they get that one win in these last four games, they should make the wild card because. There's a lot. Of, I mean, obviously Seattle has a very favorable schedule moving forward, but Dallas and Philadelphia have to play this week. Um, so one of them is gonna. One of them will get the win, obviously, and one, that's a big NFC East game. And then you look and in week 15, you know Seattle has to go to San Francisco. It's probably a win for them. Philadelphia has the Rams in week 15. So if you're going by who should win those games. Obviously, the Rams will win it. That'll hurt Philadelphia. So Philadelphia goes 1-1 one one these next two weeks. That's not the worst-case scenario for the Bears because I really don't see the Redskins doing much. And the Panthers have a pretty tough schedule. They have the Saints twice in the final three weeks of the season. I, it would t- take a you know big collapse. The Bears go 0-4 and, and a bunch of teams to win games or maybe go 3-1, and 2-2 two and two for them to even miss the playoffs as a wild card. The game that does worry me this week, though, is the Vikings-Seattle game. If the Bears do lose to the Rams, I'm, it's going to be like last week where I feel a lot more comfortable if the Vikings do lose to the Seahawks because it could have just been a disaster last week if the Vikings would have pulled off that upset against the Patriots in a game that many thought the Patriots were going to win and ended, actually ended up winning. So I do like the Bears' chances for the NFC North. I just do not. There's, I don't want it to come down to that Week 17 game. I hate those. Everyone, all, you know, the NFL loves when it's oh, divisions on the line, playoff spot on the line in Week 17. I hate those. I, they get me so nervous and so nerve wracking during that entire game. It's just, it drives me nuts. But yeah, I, I think the Bears are in great shape right now to win the NFC North and host a playoff game. And if you look at this at the seating, you're probably going to get Seattle in the playoffs. The team the Bears have already beat at home. And then you're going to get either Minnesota, Dallas, Philadelphia, or Carolina. And depending on what Carolina does, they could be dead out the water very soon with those two games against the Saints coming up. I like the Bears in that matchup against almost all those teams. Maybe if I had to pick one I didn't want to play, it'd probably be Minnesota just because I don't want to see them back-to-back weeks. Um, But outside of the Saints and Rams, none of those other teams really scare me too much. 
Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, the Bears are a good team, right? And we know that more than likely they're not going to face Dallas in the first round just because Dallas is probably going to win the division. Like he brought up, I mean, you got Carolina at six and six. That's the thing. You got so many teams at six and six. You got Carolina at six and six. You got Washington at six and six, and you got the Eagles at six and six. I would be shocked, and I mean shocked, if any of those teams made it to the playoffs. Because here's the thing: all those teams have been highly affected by injuries, and the, the, especially, I mean, Washington is on their third quarterback. They had Mark. They have Mark Sanchez starting for them the rest of the year. I mean, they are they're dead in the water. If I've ever seen a team dead in the water, even with a pretty easy schedule, that would be the team. Then you look at the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles have three games within the next four. That's it's just unreal. Like they're. They got that tag. Like, I mean, you just you just highlighted it. I mean, they're they're not going anywhere. And then you look uh you look at Carolina. They just we're talking about it today. Cam Newton's dealing with a shoulder injury that isn't going away this season uh, on his throwing shoulder. They just put Greg Olson on IR. I mean, there's all sorts of issues everywhere. So ultimately, you have it set up to where, and you know, obviously we're gonna have to see it. I mean, four games is still somewhat a lot, but I would be pretty damn surprised if the final four playoff teams in NFC aren't a combination of the Bears, uh, Cowboys, uh, e- uh, sorry, not Eagles, uh, Seahawks, and, and Vikings. And yeah, I, I think that's the way it's going to be. I mean, ultimately, you you would like to see the Bears win the division. I think they will, because having a home playoff game is going to be an advantage for them. We'll just have to see how it goes. But, I mean, the, the thing is, is they're they're in a really good position. And that's just really what it comes down to. Even if they, and that's the thing, we because we're about to get into the Rams game here. Even if they lose on Sunday, they're still going to be in a good position to make the playoffs. I The more and more I look at it, because the thing is, the Vikings, you know, everybody wants to pile on the Bears and say, well, the Bears really haven't beat anybody this year outside of the Vikings. Okay, well, look at the Vikings. Who are the Vikings beat? Who are the Vikings beat even on the road? Okay, you look at who are the Vikings beat on the road? Who are the Vikings beat outdoors? Anything like that. That's the thing. Like, if you really want to question a team that's supposed to be proven and supposed to be really good that really isn't playing that well, it would be the Vikings right now. And that's the thing. They're going into Seattle on Monday Night Football, which Kirk Cousins has never played well on Monday Night Football. They never play well in Seattle. They never play well on the road in general. And you're expecting them to go in there and win a game. And that's kind of the thing. Like, there is a very good chance, I would I would say, that even if the Bears lose on Sunday, there's a very good chance they're still going to be a game and a half up. The difference is now there will only be three games left, and the Bears will the Bears magic number will be two. So if, you know a combination of one win from them and one loss, I mean they could conceivably win the division at nine seven. You don't want to see that happen. The good news is as we're sitting here doing the podcast, I just got a notification on my phone saying that Mitchell Trubisky was indeed a full participant in practice today. We're recording this on Wednesday, um, so. I think that's a pretty good way to lead into the Rams game this Sunday because we just got done talking about even if they lose, you know, all this other stuff, you know, they would be 8-5, whatever, maybe still in a good position. This is a big game. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I actually just got that email. I tweeted it out earlier that, um, yeah, Trubisky is – it looks like it's full go. And, yeah, this is a huge game for the Bears because – I. In terms of not even like talking about the playoffs and seeding and anything like that, to have a game this late in the season against a team coming into the game with just one loss and is top of the NFC, has been a top of the NFC for the majority of the season, your chance to show all of America, you showed all of America you're legit about contending for the NFC North by beating Minnesota a couple weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. You have another chance to show that you are legit about contending for the NFC and to be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl if you could beat the Rams. If the Bears can somehow find a way 
And whether it's ugly, whether it's close, whether it's a blowout, I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. It's a golden opportunity for the Bears to show, hey, we are here. We have arrived once again. Stop sleeping on us. But maybe, you know, maybe they do like it when the media and everyone sleeps on them. But I, I just think it's a huge game for them. It's it's going to be primetime, sunny night. It's going to be cold. Um, I really don't know how much that's going to really bother the Rams at all because they have played in a cold game already this year. And they did fairly well with Todd Gurley. And then when it's cold, it means they're going to be running the ball a lot more with him, which that worries me. But, yeah, I just think it's another chance for them to just prove, hey, we belong. Hey, we're here. We're we're legit about not only contending for the NFC North but contending for the NFC Championship. So, yeah, it's a big game, man. It's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be another one of those games where everyone's going to be fired up. It's just it's it's going to be a great atmosphere at Soldier Field, and I just can't. I I go back. I can't think of when was the last time there's been big games like this at Soldier Field that have meant something in prime time. You know, in a three week span four-week span, and then you have the Green Bay game. Everyone's going to be fired up for the Green Bay game just because it's the Packers. It's been a very long time since that's happened. It has been, and, I, I mean, this is this is another big game. I mean, it's a, I don't think it's quite as important in a lot of ways as, as the Vikings game just because you're not jockeying, technically jockeying for, you know, uh, space in, in the NFC North. But, I mean, it, and we saw it last week. We saw it last week on Thursday Night Football with the Cowboys and and the Saints. Everybody, including myself, thought the Saints were this unstoppable force. Their defense was getting better. Their offense was unstoppable. And Dallas comes out. I mean, Dallas was three and five not even a month ago. That's what a lot of people have to understand. They were three and five. Now they're seven and five. And Dallas comes out and just completely shuts down New Orleans' offense. And we've talked about this all year about what's going to happen when the Bears defense meets one of these top offenses is this going to be an advantage it should be an advantage for the bears even talking with the playoffs i mean this should be an advantage for the bears because they have one of if not the best defense in the league and i think it makes it a little bit more interesting just for the simple fact that i think the bears defense didn't play very well this last week against the giants i think it was somewhat of a letdown so now how are you going to come back and respond and and i think the other aspect of this too is as good as the the rams offense has been this is a California team, you know. This is this is a California team that isn't used to coming in and playing in mid twenty degree weather, which is exactly what this game's going to be in a hostile environment like the Bears, you know, or like, like Soldier Field. I mean, this is this is a game that, while it may look uh, somewhat daunting on paper, and it's not going to be an easy game by any means. Uh, there's also a lot of advantages the Bears have, but I think the biggest thing is we're going to learn a lot about the Bears this week. We're going to learn a lot about where they are, where they are off that loss, where they can go, who they can beat. And, I mean, this is this is big. I mean, if, if the Bears come out and they win convincingly or win in general, I think that fans can obviously feel happy that they'd be 9-4 and four and that things are going to go pretty well for them you know, to get in the playoffs, but also the fact that they can go far in the playoffs. And I think that's kind of been an argument that a lot of people have had. Like, the Bears can go far in the playoffs because of their defense. And now we finally get to see it play out. Let's just hope that uh, the Bears show up and, and win that game because I'll, I'll be definitely pumped up for that game Sunday night. Um, but, yeah, let's get into it. We had a guest on, um, Cameron De Silva of the Rams Wire, joined me yesterday to talk about the Rams. This upcoming game we had some great stuff on you know, coming off that win over the Lions, in which for the first half, the Rams looked a little sluggish. They let the Lions hang in there for a little bit. Um, and some interesting stuff on what he thinks, how the Bears can win this game and what they're going to need to do to, 
to stop Aaron Donald. So let's get into that. Um, once again, this will be Cameron DeSilva, the Rams Wire, joining us for an interview. And now joining me on the Bear Report podcast is Cameron DeSilva of RamsWire.com. He covers the team, um, the first place, Los Angeles Rams and back-to-back NFC West champions. How are you doing, Cameron? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Excited for this matchup. Um, you know, the Bears are coming off a disappointing loss to the Giants, a game in which they, you know, went took it to overtime on that last second play and then kind of dropped the ball. But, man, the Rams, they, they look like the class of the NFC so far. Yeah, they definitely do, uh, especially after seeing the Saints lose to the Cowboys, a uh, game that surprised me, including a lot of people, um, and then seeing the Rams go out, take care of business against the Lions, uh, traveling to the East Eastern time zone for that early kickoff, uh, something that I think worried a, a few people um, as far as coming out of the gate a little bit slow, which they did. Um, but even in, a, in an off game where the offense wasn't necessarily at its best, they still scored 30 points. The defense really stepped up. Uh, Aaron Donald was typical Aaron Donald with two sacks, uh, forced fumble. Uh, so really, yeah, they do. They definitely do look like the best team in the NFC, NFC and probably the entire league. Yeah, you talked about that Detroit game. Um, I didn't really get to see a lot of it. I did go back and watch some of the film, but I did keep my eye on it while I was watching the Bears, and I was waiting for the Rams to kind of just put it away, and then Detroit kind of you know hung with them for a little bit, um, I believe until – it was the fourth quarter. It was just a one-possession game until Donald came through and had that big strip sack of uh, Matthew Stafford. What kind of happened with the Rams in that first half, or why was it so close early on? I mean, they, they kind of just traded possessions um, as far as scoring drives back and forth uh, from the second half on. They just alternated. Um, no one really pulled ahead by, by much until the Rams scored that last touchdown, but uh, Jared Goff was was uh, it was shaky at best. Um, completed just barely over fifty percent of his passes. Had an ugly interception where he threw into triple coverage. Had a bad uh, fumble in the pocket where really he shouldn't have had any business losing that ball. So it was just the offense just seemed out of sync. Um, I mean, he was missing open receivers. They had a delay of game. Just somewhat uncharacteristic uh, mistakes by the Rams. Uh, the defense played well all game long, um, only allowed three points in the first half, and that was mostly when Aqib Tlaib was out there. Um, so it was it was a complete team effort, but mostly the, the defense and Todd Gurley took care of business. I, I do want to get to um, Tlaib's return, but first, before we go into that, that Rams defensive front, that front seven is scary good. And the Bears haven't really seen a front seven like that this year. The closest, I'd say, was Minnesota, and I thought the Bears did a pretty good job, especially in that first half of moving Mitchell Trubisky out of the pocket, you know, just some designed um, runs and handoffs to Tariq Cohen and even Anthony Miller in the backfield. When the Rams come into town and Aaron Donald is there, what are the Bears going to have to do to stop this guy? Or, I mean, is it even possible to stop him? That's a good question. Um, it's it's a lot easier said than done. I don't necessarily know how you stop him. You can double and triple team him all you want. Um, but really, we've seen time and time again, it just doesn't work. Uh, the guy is getting doubled at least 70% of the time on his rushes, and yet he still leads the league in sacks. Um, it's honestly one of the most impressive things I've ever seen a, a d- defensive player do, especially from that defensive tackle position. Um I, I don't really know how you how you stop him. Um, 
you can really focus most of your attention on him, which most teams do. But then you're opening up things for Dominican Sue, who the Rams have used at, at um, left end and right end, rushing against offensive tackles. You open up things for Dante Fowler on the edge. Um, so really, it's just the fact that you have to you have to um, put so many of your resources on the offensive line to stopping Donald. It really makes the lives of uh, the rest of the front seven easier. Yeah, that defense is pretty stacked if you look all around. I mean, the acquisition of Dante Fowler might have just put them over the top and kind of sealed them as you know the team to beat in the NFC and, and arguably the best defense in the NFC. Now, you did say they got to lead back this, uh, against the Lions, and he played, I believe it was like 28 snaps or somewhere in the 20s. Um, with Marcus Cooper, with Marcus, not Marcus Cooper, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marcus Cooper was cut by the Bears. But when, with, <laughs> with the Rams' struggles somewhat in that secondary, they haven't been great from what I've seen, but they haven't been bad. Is there a way Mitchell Trubisky can kind of exploit that secondary a little bit with these Bears' weapons? Well, it de- it depends on uh, on how you're looking at it when it comes to Keith Talib, whether he's healthy. Um, when he's on the field, the defense is really good. The secondary is really good. Um, we saw that against the Lions, he did play just tw- 20-something snaps, but uh, those mostly came in the first half when the Lions barely moved the ball. They only scored three points. Um, and then you go back to the first two or three games that he did play in the season and uh, nobody was really throwing the ball with any success against the Rams. Um, and then he went down. Marcus Peters really struggled. Um, Troy Hill didn't really do much stepping in for Tlaib. Sam Shields is, I mean, I'm not going to say he's a bad player, but um, he hasn't had a great, great season. He's had his issues in coverage, especially um, when asked to, to play one-on-one. Um but as far as exploiting the secondary, you'd probably um, be best picking on Marcus Peters, as crazy as that sounds. Um, he has had trouble in man coverage when he's asked to cover man to man. Really, he's he struggled on those deep routes, too, when, when they have double moves and he kind of bites on the quick slant and the receiver goes over the top. Um, I'm not sure if the Bears do much of that, but that's one way to kind of exploit this defense because of the aggressive nature of those cornerbacks. Yeah, and I think what Matt Nagy is going to do with this Bears offense going into this matchup, obviously that defensive line for the Rams is just is scary good. So I think he's going to try getting players like Tariq Cohen and Anthony Miller the ball on the outside in space and maybe get to the edge before those edge rushers can. But you know, flipping it over to the offensive side of the football for the Bears, Going into the season, you know, the Bears did load up on the offense. Ryan Pace went out and spent a lot of money on the offensive side of the ball. He traded up to get Anthony Miller in this draft. And there were some comparisons to what the Rams did last year and how the Bears can kind of take those steps forward. I don't know how much you've seen of the Bears this year or how much of Mitchell Trubisky you've seen um, at all this year. But if you have, do you kind of see those comparisons? That You know, a young team, Trubisky in his second year, looking to make that next step like Goff did and and do you see kind of could the Bears be one of the better teams in the NFC next year as well? Mm-hmm. To a, to a lesser extent, I definitely do see the comparisons, and uh, that's kind of something I mentioned even before the season started. Um, that just the similarities between the Rams last year and the Bears this year. You have a good defense. You have a, a second year quarterback who um, was drafted in the first round high up, um, and then you have a running game that is usually pretty consistent with a guy like Jordan Howard. Um, Tariq Cohen, obviously, you have that the magic with him. Um, but it is there are a lot of similarities between these teams. You get the young head coach in there to coach up um, the the second year quarterback. 
I definitely do think the Bears are going to hang around as, li- as long as Mitchell Trubisky can continue to develop the way that he has. Um, I, whether they win this game or not, I don't, I don't really know. But that's definitely a comparison that I saw um, before the season started, just based on the coaching change, the co- young quarterback, uh, the nature of the defense, and then going out and kind of um, rebuilding the, the wide receiver core with, uh, like they did with Allen Robinson. Uh, the Rams did that last year with Robert Woods, um, again with Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks this year, Cooper Cup they drafted. So um, it's, it's a similar approach. They have an offensive-minded coach who's doing a good job. Um, so really, I, I like what they're doing, and I think they're going to be around for quite a long time in the NFC as long as Mitchell Trubisky is the guy for them. And, you know, going into this game, there's a lot of interesting matchups that, uh, you know, personally I'm looking for. And I think that the defensive line of the Rams against the Bears offensive line, I think the secondary of the Bears against the Rams wide receivers, and then the linebackers kind of against Todd Gurley. Is there one that um, you're looking for, you're, you're looking forward to seeing? And is there one that you think the Rams definitely have the major advantage? And is there one that you think the Bears have a big advantage in? Well, one that I'm really looking forward to is Khalil Mack against Andrew Whitworth. Um, I haven't watched a ton of the Bears, but am I correct in saying that Mack usually rushes against the left tackle? Yes. Yep. Yep. So they have switched him a little sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's definitely one matchup that I'm going to be looking forward to. Um, Really, Whitworth has been one of the best tackles in the league for several years, and he's continued to play at a high level this year. so that's definitely something that I, that I'm looking forward to. If he can kind of slow down Mac a little bit, um, slow down his rushes, whether they have to chip that chip him with a tight end on the edge, um, or if Whitworth can handle him by himself, just keeping Mac off of, uh, Jared Goff in the pocket is going to go a long way, um, towards the offense having success against this really good defense. Um, one matchup that I'm kind of worried about for the Rams is, uh, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen in the backfield going up against the Rams linebackers. Uh, if there is one area where the Rams do struggle a lot, it's it's against the run. Um, they've been one of the worst run-defending teams in the league. Seattle went off against them. Uh, really, a, a lot of teams have had a lot of success running the ball against the Rams. Um, and it's, it's proved costly at times. Um, so I'm kind of worried about Jordan Howard going up against Corey Littleton and Mark Barron, who have um, missed quite a few tackles. They're not necessarily disciplined in their gaps, and they've kind of led to some big plays uh, just by either missing tackles or uh, or just not staying where they should as far as uh, the defense goes. But one matchup that I do like is uh, is Aaron Donald, obviously, and Dominican Sue up front against the Bears' offensive line. Um, really, there isn't an offensive line out there that has been able to to slow them down completely. Dominican Sue is having an okay season. I wouldn't say it's been magnific- magnificent by any standard. Um, but Donald is just someone who really changes the game for, for the opposing offense. Um, I, I look forward to the Bears uh, throwing quicker passes, possibly to kind of get the ball out of Trubisky's hands quickly. Um, maybe some screens to, to negate that pass rush a little bit. Um, but those are a few matchups that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, going back and watching some of that Lions film with Aaron Donald, and it, I think they double teamed him twice or three, about three or four times, and he broke through him. So he, it was just like, I mean, I, I'm fortunate we get to watch Khalil Mack play, but watching Aaron Donald play is 
God, that, that's got to be a treat for you guys. Yeah, yeah, those two, watching those two, um, they're honestly probably two of the best defensive players in the league right now, and they're really fun to watch. Obviously, I get to watch Donald on a weekly basis, and just seeing him, like you said, split double teams. Um, they play him over the center. They play him against the tackle. Uh, they put him all over the defensive line, and he has success no matter where he lines up. Uh, yeah, before I get your prediction and kind of maybe something else to look for, is there any concern with the Rams about the weather Sunday night? It's not uh, the for, There's no snow in the forecast or anything like that, but it looks like it's going to be maybe a low of about 25, a little colder with the lake you know, lakefront moving in. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice, I didn't get a chance to go fully back and look at all Jared Goff's college games or anything like that, but I did notice, I think it was week six they played in Denver, and it was pretty damn cold at kickoff. And it didn't really seem to bother the Rams. Todd Gurley went for, I think, 208 and a couple touchdowns. Is there any concern with the weather or anything like that? Yeah, Jared Goff wasn't very good in that game. Uh, He's definitely a warm-weather quarterback. He went to Cal, obviously. He's playing in L.A. now. Um, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a a huge concern uh, with regards to the cold weather. Mark Barron had an Achilles injury last year that kind of can flare up when it gets colder out. Um, That's something that the Rams have talked about a few times but he hasn't had any trouble with that this season um so that's something to keep an eye on but i think really if there is any concern it's with golf um he's he's like i said a warm weather quarterback he struggled in denver he only completed 50 percent of his passes there um but they do have the running game of todd Gurley. he's not he's not afraid of the cold he doesn't mind it one bit and uh that offensive line loves to move guys off and, and really open up running lanes for todd Gurley and uh, Malcolm Brown, who's injured now, but um, this team, I wouldn't say they're they're not built for the cold, just because they do have such a strong running game. So I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. And then before I let you go, uh, do you have a prediction for Sunday night's game? I think the Rams are going to win. Uh, I know that doesn't sound very <laughs> um, creative or anything like that, but uh, it is going to be a close game. Just seeing them struggle a little bit with the Lions. Um, I'm, I'm not saying the offense is is, uh, is struggling by any means because of that one game, but um, the Bears do have a far better defense. Um, they have a ground a ground game that can uh, really hold the time of possession a little bit the way that the Cowboys did against the Saints um, and possibly slow down this Rams offense, which not many teams have been able to do. So um, it'll probably be something like 30 to 27, uh, somewhere in that range maybe. But I, I do think it's going to be a good game, especially on Sunday night. And uh, thanks again, Cameron, for joining us. That was Cameron DeSilva of the Rams Wire. Where can they follow you on Twitter? At Cam DeSilva. Perfect. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And once again, that was Cameron DeSilva of the Rams Wire. Joined us for a really good interview to give us some insight on the Bears' upcoming opponent, the Los Angeles Rams, for Sunday night. Um, Aaron. How you feeling about this game? Give me a prediction, maybe something to watch. Well, I think it's it's a big game. Uh, I don't think it's nearly as big as some people are making it out to be in terms of like the Bears lose this, their whole entire season's over. I don't think that's the case. But I do think when you look at it, uh, if the Bears can win this game, I mean, this should give not only the Bears but their fans a ton of confidence that they can beat pretty much anybody in the league. So. I think we're going to learn a lot about the defense in general. Um, It's also going to be very interesting because obviously Trubisky hasn't played in two weeks. So how is he going to fare against a – I mean, their defense isn't very good, but when you have Aaron Donald there and you have some of the playmakers they have, I mean, it's always going to be a threat. So I think in terms of what to watch for, I think 
the biggest thing I'm going to be watching for is just how can the Bears – I mean, the, their interior line hasn't been that great, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, Brian Witzman's just not a very good player. But how can they handle Aaron Donald? Because you, you've got Aaron Donald, you've got some edge rushers on the outside, uh, you know, they they got Dante Fowler. So, I mean, they can get to the quarterback, and that's kind of the thing. So, Trubisky's coming in. He could be a little rusty. How is you know how is Trubisky going to perform against a defense that brings a pretty good amount of pressure? I think that would be kind of my what to watch for. Uh, in terms of prediction, um, you know, I, I as much as I want to see the Bears win this game, and as much as I I think they do have a chance of winning this game, I also do think that more than likely the Rams are going to win. I just don't you know, especially coming off the the loss like this, and especially with all the situations going going on, I just. I think that the Bears are going to keep it close. I think there's going to be times when maybe it looks like they are going to win. Uh, but ultimately, I think the Rams are going to end up winning this. I'm going to say I'll say 27-23. I think it's going to come down to there will be a few times, and I think maybe this is where the rust from Trubisky comes in, where they have a chance to get touchdowns and they settle for field goals, and that could end up being the uh, the difference in the in a game like this. Yeah, I'm with you. I really want to pick the Bears to win this game. Um but I, if the Rams do win, I don't think it's the end of the world either. I think the Bears are still in pretty good shape. Um, I'm one thing I'm going to look for look for in this game is I want to see if the Bears can take advantage of the Rams in the secondary. Akeem Talib is coming back. Um, he played last week against the Rams and he had I believe it was like 24, 25 snaps on defense. Um, he definitely makes that secondary a lot better. I want to see how the Bears try to create some mismatches with Tariqo and. Maybe get Anthony Miller into space, Taylor Gabriel into space, and see if they go after Marcus Peters early because Marcus Peters has really struggled this season after being traded to L.A. from Kansas City. And if the Bears can do that and put up some points, I think they have a good shot at winning. Unfortunately, I'm going to say the Rams are going to win. Um, I just think the Rams are the better team, obviously, and it will be close. It won't be a blowout or anything like that. The Bears are going to play well enough to put themselves in a position to win the game. Um, I'm going to go something like, let's do 22-17 Rams, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, though. I, I think that I think we both agree that the Bears are a good team, but we also can't be ignorant to the fact that the Rams are 11-1, and man. I mean, they, they're, they're a really, really good team. And... Like I said, just there, there's a lot of different things right now. The Bears are coming off a letdown loss where they probably should have won the game. They're also getting Trubisky back. There's just a lot of different factors to where it wouldn't surprise me if it takes the Bears a little bit of time to gain their footing. And it's just it's just one of those games. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm a pessimist when it comes to a lot of things, and it's kind of one of those situations where the Bears have got to show that they can, that they can beat a, a, a team to this caliber – and there's only about, what, two or three of those out there right now, and that would be New Orleans, uh, the Rams, and then, of course, Kansas City. So it, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. I think, you know, if the Bears keep it close and they have moments where they're ahead, I think this should show Bears fans a lot in terms of they can probably hang with anybody in the league. And I think we already know that. But a win here would be, at least in my mind, would be absolutely monumental uh, just for a lot of stressing fans thinking that they're going to somehow blow this. And maybe for some people who are kind of like, well, they really haven't beat anybody. I mean, especially, especially if they went on Sunday night, that that argument kind of goes out the window. Yeah, man. They went on Sunday night. It's going to be a very exciting podcast next week. I'll just say that because I will be fired up. That will get me fired up for the God the rest of the season. Then we're going to Packers week. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, 
But yeah, that should do it, man. Thanks thanks again for joining me, Aaron, on this podcast. It's been another good one. Um, even despite the loss, I still think things are looking up for the Bears this season. Absolutely, man. I, I mean, it's it's been a good season, dude. They're 8-4, they're and, and that's what a lot of people have to understand. They're 8-4, and four and they're a game and half up in the division and two games up for, for a playoff spot in general right now. They're in a really good position. Games are shrinking. So it's just a matter, of, like I said, if they go two and two the rest of the way out, they'll be in good shape. Ten and six will not only get them in the playoffs, but I think we'll win the division. So we just have to, just have to hope that uh, you know it's a it's a good week, and we'll just have to see what happens. For sure, for sure. As always, you can uh, find the Bear Report podcast wherever podcasts are posted. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Sprecher. Um, I'll post it on the homepage. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach underscore Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. And Aaron, where can they find you on Twitter? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL 1M in uh, Lemming. And please rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff for our podcast. And we will see you next week, hopefully coming off of a Bears win, going into Packers week. What a podcast that will be. Let's hope that happens. Thanks again, everyone. And uh, Aaron, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.